Welcome to another episode of X-Files, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of X-Files. Lena, hello. Hello, thanks for having me back. It's fun. Oh, the last episode that we did together was great, and it was also very well received, and yeah, I enjoy doing this with you, and you have really great ideas, so I'm really glad to have you well, back. Thank you. I, I love to talk to people who think I have great ideas. So as, <laughs> as do I think you have great ideas. So there you go. Thanks. Thank you. And it was fun seeing you a few weeks ago. I went to LA to visit a bunch of my dating and coachy and podcasty friends. And Lena came over and had lunch with uh, Christine and I. Uh, Christine, another guest co-host from 50 Shades of Bullshit. Everyone go and check Christine out. And yeah, we had a nice time together. Yeah, I love it. I love that there's a community there. And it's especially, it's so fun to me knowing that we all met on a worldwide app and (laughs) you guys could have been anywhere in the world, as could I, and yet we get to see each other in person. I think it's beautiful as well. It's really a gift. And just for a little bit of context for everybody, um, we belong to, yeah, this worldwide community of coaches and matchmakers and content creators in the area of dating and relationships. And there's a whole bunch of us who are now really good friends. And I've gone to L.A., three times in the last year to see these people and I'm already plotting yeah. my next trip. <laughs> and so, and yeah, I know, I, and a shout out to Anthony Canopy as well. Um, best man matchmaking. We got to hang out with him. Hi, uh, Anthony. <laughs> hey, boo. All right, let's get into it. Actually, no, before we get into it, I just want to mention to everybody, I've been hearing from a lot of people about how much they've been enjoying X-Files. If you are one of them, please go over to Apple Podcasts and let me know with a five-star rating and review. It really helps people find the show. I know that you probably heard that from a lot of podcasts, but it is true. And it's like a little love letter to me as well. So I really appreciate that. And I also want to encourage anybody, if you are going through a breakup right now, hit me up on Instagram and perhaps working together one-on-one would be helpful to you. And Lena, what are you up to these days as far as coaching goes? I am up to all kinds of things. I, of course, have my um, coaching practice and I have clients who are um, actively dating and seeking the types of relationships that they've never had before. And that's what we like to talk about a lot in my community, which is having enriched romantic relationships, not just dating somebody for the sake of dating somebody. We're all about quality and we're all about depth. And that's one of the reasons that I think that, you know, your community and your thought process so resonates with me because that's who you are. And and I also love to help people who are looking to have more love in every area of their lives. And I know that you and I've talked about that as well. I mean, the principles that I have developed for romantic relationships, I use in every area of my life. And I know that we're going to talk about that a little later. So I'll just say that um, I'm Lena and you can find me online. My website is lenaerenberg.com. I know that's a lot of spelling. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> we um, got an Ehrenberg and a Formicella. So everybody go yeah. to the show notes if you want exactly. to. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Check check your spell check. If it's coming up not available or that site can't can't be reached, check your spell check. Um, and then on Facebook and Instagram, I am at have more love. There you go. Great. 
amazing. Please, everybody, go show Lena some X-Files love. And I think that that was actually a good segue into the topic, and that is applying your breakup lessons to the rest of your life. And one of the yeah. reasons we're doing this is uh, the last episode we did together was episode 133, Four Lessons to Learn from Your Breakup. And one of the lessons that Lena suggested was learning how to apply it to other areas of your life. And we talked about it uh, briefly, but I thought this would be great to expand into an entire episode because I was quite interested in the topic and felt like I could relate so much. And we're going to be talking about that today. Um, and oh, and I also thought I might mention that um, as far as other types of breakups go, one thing that I'm going to be talking about quite a bit in this episode was I actually really felt like I went through a phase where I broke up with Australia. <laughs> and that is because yeah. I spent five years of my life desperately trying to gain residency there and building a very vibrant and special community. And for the longest time, I said, coming back to America was not an option. I said, the only, the only future was going to be, you know, success and, and gaining this ultimately. And so when I got to the point where I decided that I was abandoning that plan or changing my mind, I definitely, it was, it was a big deal for me. And I felt like I was really breaking up with the thought of Australia, breaking up with the country, breaking up with, you know, the future that I thought I was going to have. I was already starting to become a breakup coach. And so I was able to apply a lot of lessons to that breakup. And then subsequently to lots of other areas of my life that were that we'll talk about today. So let's get into it, as podcasters like to say. First of all, <laughs> Lena, one of the ways that you suggested that you can apply breakups to other aspects of your life is, as you put it, don't ghost yourself. Have an action plan. So talk to us about this. Okay. Well, two things to, to say about that. The first is that um, just a little brief story. I was working at a corporation um, back in my 20s, in my late 20s, and I met a woman and we struck up a, a friendship and we, you know, and I just knew her from the point that I met her, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was my starting point with her. And she and I started spending a lot of time together and she was talking about her ex-boyfriend. And I thought, oh, okay, and, but it was like, the way she talked about her ex-boyfriend was I thought that they had just broken up. And, and again, I didn't know her before that very point in time. And it's really interesting when I think about it, when you meet people at work, that's your container, right? So you don't generally meet people's friends. You don't generally find out about people's lives at work, except for what they choose to share. Yeah, with it's you. such a vacuum. It, it, that's exactly the word. It's a vacuum, right? So in that vacuum, she was talking about this guy. She talked about him constantly and it was so raw for her. Oh. And it was so like, she was still in it, right? Don't you find that when 
oftentimes, at least when it's very new breakup, you're still in the relationship and you're still trying to figure out how to get yourself out mentally. You know, you're not together physically, but you're still in it in your yeah, thoughts. This is actually bringing to mind someone who I know, and I hadn't thought of this before, but he is yeah, very much still, still in it. And it's yeah. not, I don't think that he pines for her or anything, but he's just, yes, yeah, st still inside of it and processing it like in real time, even yeah. though it's been quite a while. Exactly. And so, so that's exactly what I found out was happening with this woman. And the more time we spent together, she talked about him more and more and more. And I kept thinking, gosh, did they break up two weeks ago? And then, you know, as time went on for her and me, it was a few months. And I was like, well, it can't have been just two, maybe it was a couple of months ago. And I finally asked her, I finally had to know, I was like, so when did you, when did this relationship end? two years before Ooh, wow yeah two years before mm -hmm. and she was still in it mm -hmm. mentally right yeah. emotionally she was still attached and so yeah and i and get this a lot of my clients who i'm actively coaching with will complain about not finding good matches and not dating quality people. And I will often very lovingly point out to them that you're working with me to get over your breakup. And so you're not over it yet. And so it's not really that likely that you will attract that because you don't have the space for it, which is totally fine. But yeah. it's like, let's ramp up the healing and then get to the point where we can have space and attract people. Think, think about that though, because mm -hmm. they're still in that relationship. They're, they don't have exactly. space for another relationship, but they're out in the world blaming other people for not being quality. And I'm sure we all have our own definition of that. To me, that means they're not meeting people who are willing to commit to them because the people who would want to commit to them know that they're still in their previous relationship. Yeah, and it's an energetic thing. And if yeah. you're still committed, even, and commitment can mean, even look like, yeah, I know that it's over, but commitment, you're still staying committed to the story or the process of healing or whatever it is. Exactly. What so when I say don't ghost on yourself, she had disappeared from her own life for two years. Mm, yeah. Now, do you think she called herself and had a conversation with herself beforehand and said, honey, I'm not going to be around. You just went through this thing and you're going to need some time to process this. So you're going to need to take a break from dating and you're going to need to take a break from, you know, working on your career and you're going to need to take a break from, you know, going out and doing fun things. And you're just going to have to sit for a while and process this. You know, do you think she had the, the breakup with herself that we all wish we had with other people? No. Mm -hmm. She just stayed mentally and emotionally where she was and stopped everything else. I can relate. And I did this when I first decided that it was not going to be best for me to stay in Australia. And I did, I took the time. I did not talk to anyone. I avoided people's calls. I didn't go out. I would stay inside. And then when it got to the point that I definitely made the decision and that I knew in order to have a successful and happy life in America, I had to put this behind me. 
I started doing the work. And by the time I came here, I had, I had healed from that and I had fully processed that breakup. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I love that. And that can be, so you're saying that applying this concept to a breakup can apply to changing your mind or breaking up with any decision in your life. I, for me, I think there's a lot of power in understanding that that previous relationship is complete. Yes. That's the word that I like to use. That goes really, really perfectly into number two, which is mourn what has ended. And exactly. this is something that you will endlessly apply in your life. And that is with friendships, with jobs. I know a lot of us are so committed and have so much of our identity tied up in our careers. And sometimes a job and a career yeah, comes to an end. I can definitely relate. I had a job whilst I was in Australia that I needed to stay in Australia. And when I decided to, to walk away from that, I definitely mourned it. And family relationships too. And I want to say that I'm right in the middle of this right now. I, you know, it's something I don't talk about publicly a lot, but I don't have a relationship with my immediate family. And that's something that's a little new and a decision that I made recently. And I am smack dab in the middle of mourning this and it's coming up a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of tears and I am letting it happen. And as, and as much as I hate it, you know, I cried in front of my boyfriend a couple times and just, I'm sitting there like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then I actually had a, a chat with, um, Jackie Brubaker, another guest co-host. And, um, you know, we talked about just, you've got to let yourself. So can you talk to us about applying the concept of mourning to other areas of your life? Yeah, absolutely. And, and first I want to say, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're Thank having you. that experience right now. And yet I'm glad for you that you're doing it the way you're doing it, that you have the tools and that you have the awareness. And, you know, you said it earlier. Here's the thing. We have relationships with absolutely everything, but we don't always think about it that way. You said mm -hmm. it earlier. You broke up with Australia. Well, did you ever consider while you were there that you were in a relationship with Australia? A little I did because there was yeah. some cognitive dissonance that was going on because I kind of knew that it wasn't right for me. And because, you know, for instance, I couldn't get a normal job. I couldn't have a quote, normal career. And I would sometimes have conversations with myself that what I had was, you know, there was more important. So yeah, I would say in my case, I, I did, but I also yeah. know that I've found myself in other things that it's like, by the time you realize that you have to break up with it, that's when you realize how much of your life it had taken over. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, and we just fall into things a lot of times and as we do in romantic relationships too. I mean, sometimes exactly. there are people who think, well, you know, we've gone out twice. We're in a relationship and ask the other person if they think they're in a relationship. <laughs> oh my God. I've so gone through that. I had a talk with an ex recently and I was like, you were just like thinking this was happening and I did not think it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he said, yeah, exactly. you know, it felt great. And I thought you were feeling it too. I'm like, yeah, I thought it felt great, but I did not think that we were together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So see, like all of those types of things. So if, if you think about that, if you think about the idea that we are actually in relationship with absolutely everything, 
then you can really understand how you can apply this to every area of your life. Let's take what you brought up really specifically hot button topic right now for everyone is work, our careers, mm -hmm. our jobs. Mm -hmm. And many of us, you know, we're, we're given an annulment with absolutely no notice. We can put it like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's All actually a really good point. Sometimes we don't choose to have these breakups, just like we don't choose sometimes to be broken up with in romantic relationships. Exactly. So <laughs> and so many times we're not given, you know, we're not given an opportunity. Like, talk about being ghosted. I mean, there was some... You know, when something, when I hear news about something that's going on online, you know, it's a big story because I kind of keep my head <laughs> in the sand. I keep my head down. I do my work, right? Did you know that but the State of the Union was last night? I did know that. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I do try to stay informed about really important things. But just a couple of months ago, or uh, I heard this story that there was some um, CEO who basically, um, people woke up one morning and had emails and texts telling them that they no longer had a job. Oh yeah. Thousands of people in this corporation. Right. Okay. So talk about being ghosted, right? Yeah. So, and especially here's the other thing about that too. So many of us identify ourselves by our work, especially in the United States, where usually the first question you ask anybody, even in a social situation, is what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I know. I right? love this topic. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Historically, and I'm glad that it's changing, but historically, women have identified themselves by their personal relationships their quote unquote home life, their families, romantic partnerships, children, extended family, primary family, all of that. And historically, men have identified themselves more by their work. And so when you think about that, it really helps me have much more compassion for people, men and women who have gone through an unwanted divorce from an employer. Yeah, how do you think you can mourn that most well, effectively? Well, I think that you mourn, you start to, there's all different stages of that. But I think one of the, one of the root causes, uh, the root ways to do it is you have to get yourself to a point of acceptance. Yeah. That's the first thing. And there are going to be different ways to do that. And this is a perfect opportunity to remind everybody who's listening that that's what Janice helps her clients do. Right. We're talking about a breakup. We're talking about a breakup either from a romantic relationship or a job or a family relationship mm. and it could be any type of family or a friendship i've gone through some breakups from friendships and i wished i had had people to talk to but i thought mm -hmm. oh well 
you know, I, I was feeling shame and I was feeling like I was the one who had done something wrong and they just left and they wouldn't tell me what I did wrong. I've gone through friendship breakups with the same old pattern that I used to go through romantic breakups with. Yeah. So one tip that I would give for a friendship breakup or a familiar breakup is journaling. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. and I've done that with uh, friends who I've strayed away from or where, you know, friendships have fizzled and also with my current situation with my family. And what I find most effective is writing letters and really letting your anger out on the page. That's a really great way to mourn. And then, you know, give yourself a, a period of time where you accept when you feel sad, when you accept when something triggers you and you start to cry, let it happen. I do think, you know, getting to a point where you can look at your healing so far and say, I'm ready to end this period is healthy as well. And I think, you know, I kind of got to that point at the end of last year where I, where I said to myself, I'm to the point where I don't want to be talking about this with my friends because for a couple months there, it came up a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said, once 2022 ends, I'm not gonna bring it up with my friends anymore. But, and which, which I haven't, but I still found that, you know, I'm still triggered and that's okay. What I went through was really massive. And so I'm, I let it happen. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the process is that you are allowing yourself to heal in the way that you need to. You're not saying, oh, well, somebody else said I ought to feel this by this time or whatever, right? I would never tell somebody that. It's not about people, you know, that phrase that sounds so nice, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. It's <laughs> oh, not it takes a lot just, of work too. It's work. It's work during the yes. time. It's not just a period of time. Mm -hmm. Because some people, depending on the type of breakup, depending on the type of relationship, depending on all of the circumstances, some people can truly be healed and through it and ready to move forward in every aspect of their lives within a few weeks or mm -hmm. a couple of months. And some people may take two years. So let me really be clear. I was not dissing that woman for, mm -hmm. for still being, you know, attached to that relationship in two, for two years. I was incredulous that she still was really in stage one yeah. after two years. Mm -hmm. And I think That's deciding to move on is, is a choice and maybe she hadn't gotten there yet. And, and she didn't have the tools. A lot of us don't. Um, but I think she also wasn't mourning it though, because oh, mourning what you're it, saying. Okay, that's great. what I'm saying. She was stuck uh, in as if it just happened. Right. Yes. And that's she, one reason I let myself cry when I do, because I yes. know that I got to get this out of my system. I, because it, if I didn't, this is something that could haunt me for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. But think about it also mourning something means that even though we're still not happy about it, we have accepted that it has changed. We've accepted that it is over. Mm -hmm. We can't mourn for something that we are still in the hope is going to rekindle or that we still really don't believe that we're out of it. Oh, he'll call. He'll call me back. Sometimes it takes him a little while. It's been three months. Oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> he'll call me back. 
that's I shouldn't what I'm laugh, talking. but yeah. That, well, right. So that's what I'm talking about. Morning actually is part of the action plan of moving forward because you need to getting to the point where you're accepting that that relationship is complete in however way it ended. And for some people, unfortunately, there is true mourning in the true sense of the word. Sometimes someone passes on and, and there's still a period of incredulity that we go through. And there's still a period where we have to get to the point of accepting that that happened and then mourning. Yep. Thank you so much. Let's pause for a quick commercial break. And when we get back, Lena and I are going to talk about boundaries, business, and looking at our own role and how things turn out. Nothing shatters your life like a breakup. And the pain of a broken heart is real. I know that it seems impossible right now, but there is hope and there are ways to heal. I would love to work with you one-on-one -on -one to heal your broken heart and put your breakup behind you. My personalized coaching programs are designed to pinpoint what will be most effective in helping you to move forward and make this breakup a part of your past. I believe in you. Message me at xfilespodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at xfilespodcast and let's connect about creating a magical plan of action for you to enter 2023 with this breakup in your rearview mirror. Okay. Welcome back, everyone. I'm really enjoying this discussion. Thank you so much, Lena. And thank you so much to everyone for being here. Let's talk about all types of breakups and assessing how you showed up and what your role was. I have some very poignant examples from my own life and ways that I definitely took what I learned from a relationship and applied it into a breakup from a job. And as some people know, I'm a survivor of domestic violence and I am anti-victim blaming. And at the same time, I went through a number of years where it was just one chaotic relationship after another and one horrible breakup after another. And certainly this was one of those relationships. I mean, it ended tragically. And I really got to a point where I just, I wanted to stop having shitty relationships mm -hmm. and also shitty breakups. And so I went back and I did this little love map and just kind of assessed how it was that I ended up in my marriage, how it was that I ended up in such a violent, abusive situation. And not only that, but like going back to it. And I really realized that it was my inability to be on my own or my lack of desire to be on my own, my lack of life skills that, you know, I hadn't been taught being raised in the Mormon faith and therefore not really having lots of self-reliance, my lack of desire to learn these things, my discomfort outside of relationships, my identity being with this person. And I, I realized it was all of those things that kind of led me to ignore red flags and want to be in a situation that was really shit and didn't bring me any joy and just, but I was at least in a relationship. And so then 
a couple of years later, I got, I was in Australia and I got this, this work visa, which I was, I was just like, yes, this is amazing. You know, I'm going to get to stay here. This is going to be wonderful. And it ended up being a very toxic workplace. And I, and I was faced with and experienced some very severe workplace bullying, lots of exploitation. I actually ended up suing the company and winning because I was able to prove, you know, like such a pattern of these things. And I did the exact same thing. I don't, I mean, there's no question that they treated me horribly. There's, I mean, I had witnesses, you know, statements from people. And at the same time, it was my desperation to stay in Australia. It was my identity that I had wrapped up in getting this, this residency. It was my lack of believing I had any other options. It was my inability to, or lack of desire to want to learn how to, you know, go back to America and start over. And my constant, like, looking for answers externally that led me into a situation in the first place, which was fraught with (laughs) disaster. I mean, I, there was red flags from pretty much the first week that I went into like negotiations with this company about my visa, like the very first week. And I ignored the red flags and I got myself into another horrible situation because of lack of faith in myself and, you know, and other things. So I was allowed, I was able to apply that to this and learn that I had to, you know, stop this destructive pattern that I had in my life with partners and anybody. (laughs) I mean, it was, this was not something that was limited to my romantic relationships and realizing that was life-changing and it gave me the ability to stop it. When I saw that, even though I hadn't had really destructive romantic relationships, I was still doing it. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating that you said mm-hmm. that the red flag started showing up in the first week because yeah, a thousand percent. I I read somewhere a while ago that when a relationship ends, if we look back to the first two weeks, no matter how long the relationship was, whether it was three weeks long or three years long. When it finally ends, if we look back to the first two weeks, we are going to find the root of the reason that it ended eventually. Something (laughs) is going to show itself in the first two weeks. And so it's so fascinating for you to say that at this job, you saw red flags in the first week. I can still point some out to you. I mean, they wanted me to go over to their house one night after I got done nannying all day long. It was like six o'clock and they wanted me to go over there to go over some work stuff. And I was just like, look, I'm just completely exhausted. Like I, I just can't do it. And they leaned into me. Like you would not believe, like, I thought you wanted this. You're not going to show us. Like, and I see, and I went over there, but I'm like, this is a, a reasonable boundary to have, you know. Right. I've just I've just gotten off work and I'm tired, and it's outside of work hours. But no, they were, they were, they were hardcore with me. Like I, they guilted me. I was over there in like 15 minutes. Wow, yes. right? And other, exactly. and other things. I, I mean, and yeah, that was the first week. And I but and I thought as I was walking over there, like, huh, right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Right. And but think about how many people and I know that it's men and women, but honestly, it's probably mostly women that I hear about how many women allow themselves to be convinced to do something when dating in early stages of dating 
that they really don't want to do. And, and But it was a choice and you can learn and we're going to talk about this next, having boundaries. Oftentimes we can think that we don't have a choice or that we were talked into it, but learning to take responsibility is learning to accept that you can make better choices in the future. Right, exactly. And a lot, I just want to share one thing. It, it always comes down to a thought. It always comes down to something that we're thinking, whether we choose to do something or not do it, it, it comes down to what we're thinking about it. It's some, it could be something like, oh, well, if I don't do this, he might not call me again. And well, he might be the one. Mm-hmm. So I have to accommodate what he's demanding so that he'll call me again because he might be the one. Okay, well, let's say that life is 50 50. Mm-hmm. That means he also might not be the one. But if you're choosing <laughs> to be- have the thought, he might be the one. That's setting you up to feel like you have to acquiesce to whatever he's asking for. But there are still a lot of people who are in the very early stages of dating saying, well, I really don't like that, but this person might be the one. So I'll accommodate that. And that's exactly, exactly what I did. And I mean, I did literally not have any other option. Well, wait, you know what? I just caught myself. I <laughs> I, w- Did you- I didn't see that I had any other options at the time. I convinced myself that this was my only option. And so therefore, you know, yeah, I did acquiesce. I did things that I, you know, I knew I shouldn't. And I put up with with a lot in order to get this thing. I, and right. this, brings up, this brings up our next topic perfectly. Can you talk to us about learning about boundaries after a breakup and how to apply boundaries to other areas of your life? I used to, okay, I, I I didn't hear the word boundaries literally until, I don't know, I was in my 40s, I think, or yeah, something. I guess it started to be a thing 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, it was a thing, but also... Well, it was always a thing, but... <laughs> well, it, it, it always existed, but, you know, I also grew up in a family where we didn't really talk about those things. So I wasn't hearing language around that. Oh, but me I, neither. God, no. But I also, you know, I think a lot of us did. And and I think it's great that we are talking about it more and that, you know, people, young people are being raised more with concepts of, of what we all talk about now and, you know, are able to take that with them through life because, I also kind of had the, um, what do I want to say? What was modeled for me in a lot of different relationships, not just at home, but, you know, even in school and in, you know, other types of relationships when I was a child or with any kind of adult figure or something, you were just kind, I was just kind of told this is what you're supposed to do and you're not supposed to not like it and you're not supposed to, you know, want something else. And it was always about being told that my behavior was not appropriate, right? Or- I relate so much growing up the way that I did. (laughs) Right. And I think that a lot of us do. And so 
it's it's about it was always about my feeling my my belief that i was being told to change that i was always supposed to be the one to change myself yep. in order to make someone else feel better yep <clears throat> okay that's how i want to phrase that and that is making demands on the outside world to change for you. That is looking to the outside world, what you just talked about yeah. going, you know, looking to the world that the world will either supply employment for you or not. The world will either supply a relationship for you or not. And that's when we can get caught in the loop of it's that person's fault. It's the fault of the boss. It's the fault of the structure of the job, right? And that's when we miss the opportunity to really understand what am I bringing to this and how am I interacting with this? Have you ever and had so an experience where you did that? Um, yeah, I could go back and say, let's talk about all of my twenties, <laughs> yes. right? It was one thing after another. It was one thing after another. It was one thing after another. Like I said, I would date, I, I would date somebody and I would decide, oh, maybe he's the one. And when we are constantly in the head of maybe he's the one and not seeing that he's showing us that he doesn't think he's the one, <laughs> totally right? <laughs> when we stay in that, look, it's great to have hope. We need to have hope. But I always say you have to use hope as a noun, not a verb. Oh, yeah. You have to have hope that something mm -hmm. can move forward. But you can't simply hope that something will work out. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, what I was going to say, though, taking it back to your question about boundaries is so that's the difference bound, you know, like looking to the world and thinking the world has to change. Boundaries are the total opposite of that. Boundaries means that you are going to do something to initiate a change. So the first thing might simply be acknowledging to yourself, oh, I don't like what he's saying. I don't like how I feel in this situation. With a Where client, we, with a job, with a boss and, and, and listening to that. Exactly what you just said about your boss. It's a perfect example. You didn't feel there was just something not right about that. Mm -hmm. So here's, can we use that as an example? Yeah. So, okay, great. So rather than doing what you felt very obligated to do to appease them, the boundary for you could have been, I'm sorry, I really can't do this. Mm -hmm. But that takes a risk. Yes. Yeah. And practice as well. And I have and to practice. Say, I am known in my friend group and with my clients and in my relationships as having very strict boundaries around my time. And mm -hmm. it is because I learned from previous relationships where, you know, for instance, my abuser was very demanding. He was an alcoholic and wanted constant attention. And then this job also, they wanted me to just be available whenever. And I learned from what that can lead 
need to, to have very strict boundaries now, even, I mean, to the point that I'm a freelancer and sometimes I do work on the weekends, you know, but I will, I always make sure not to answer any emails (laughs) because I never want anyone to think I'm available to them on the weekends. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And it took a lot of practice. I have to say, I definitely wasn't always like this. I used to let um, like my writing clients text me, ask for things last minute. No one would ever do that today. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's great. But also that's a really hard boundary to hold, especially in an environment now where I was going to say people think that we all ought to be available 24 seven because but we've quality got this clients thing in love our it pocket. and are cool with it. Right. Of course, they respect it. That's the Mm -hmm. difference. Right. But but there's this idea out in the world. And I'm saying it that way because I don't know how much of it is true, because I know more people like you and me than I know about like that. I know other people who jump, you know, like, oh, well, you've got to be on social media all the time, because if somebody sends you a message on Instagram, you know, if somebody DMs you, you've got to be on it. And I'm like, well, and so what are you saying? I should interrupt a session to go respond. I, to yeah, I completely DM? agree. And it takes practice. And I just want to tell everybody a quality person that you want to be romantic with and a quality person who you want to work with and a quality family member. These are all people that will respect your time boundaries and any other boundary that you set. And I and- also think it's because those people who don't respect those boundaries, don't have boundaries of their own. Oh, you're probably totally right. That's okay. I'm right. taking a little note here. I think we should revisit boundaries um, in yeah. another episode. I just want to give one tip to anyone who struggles to have boundaries professionally. Uh, I, a couple tips would be, first of all, I only answer my emails from my laptop. And so therefore, and so I don't have any notifications on my phone. And so therefore, oh, I, you know, I, I can only, I can only answer and read emails when I'm in front of my laptop and I'm only in front of my laptop when I'm working and people have just gotten completely used to it. And also uh, I, I don't have any DM notifications except my texts on my phone either. And so if someone messages me and, you know, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram, I can just easily say, Oh, sorry, I missed you. I haven't, you know, <laughs> haven't been online for a while. I just want to add one, one idea to that. My accountant has a voice message on his phone that says all business related messages will be answered within 24 hours. That's a boundary. I think it's perfectly reasonable and I, you're allowed, you're allowed to have parameters within you, within which you want your life to exist And you're allowed to create them and you're allowed to go out into the world and and state your preferences. And if someone doesn't respect your boundary, it's not because you should change. It's because they are not for you. I completely agree. And I don't want to work with people who don't respect very simple boundaries like that. So let's move on to forgiveness and letting go and how this applies to both breakups and other types of relationships. I'll Mm -hmm. kind of let you take the lead with this one and I'll um, hop in with, you know, if any thoughts come to me. 
Okay, and then great. we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is not attaching to expectations around people and circumstances. That's going to be juicy. <laughs> right. Okay, good. So let's talk about um, just pull back for a second. And I think I said this earlier, but I, I think that it bears repeating. Every single relationship that we have takes place in our thoughts. And that means whether you're with someone in a relationship at a job, in a country, or not physically in the space of any of those things. Whatever you're thinking about someone and whatever you believe they are thinking about you is what creates the relationship. Totally. Let's think about that for a second. That's really, really powerful. That means that that's your first point of power, it's your first point of self-control when if you identify as a person who feels like you're never in control in any of your relationships, that other people or other circumstances are always manipulating you, understand that what you're thinking, that's all you. That's your choice. And it's really powerful to start to think about that as a choice also, because again, that's not something that I was ever taught. I just grew up and you hear things and that's how you learn things and you start to believe those things or you don't, right? So so specifically again to forgiveness, and I know that you did a fabulous episode on that. Oh, that, thank you so yeah. much. It's one of my favorite episodes that I've that I've done. Um, and everybody, I will link to it in the show. Yeah, notes. link to it definitely. It, thank because you so it, much. Yeah, if you haven't heard that and you're listening to this, um, pl- you might even want to pause this and go listen to that <laughs> oh, one, and you. then come back. Um, <laughs> I really do think, and and what I really appreciated about it was how much you both shared. And how honest you both were about it. And what you brought out is something that I really want to to talk about here is that there are a lot of different ideas in the world about what forgiveness is or what it should be. Right. So let's talk about it's fascinating. So let's talk about the should first. I want to reiterate what I just said about your first point of power and control in life is knowing that you control your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. There's no should. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then there's this big idea that, well, forgiveness is about healing. And so I'm supposed to forgive them and I'm supposed to accept them and I'm supposed to understand about their childhood and why they acted the way they did. And I have to take them back in and I have Mm -hmm. to marry them again. That's a no. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is not a definition of forgiveness. That is that person's or that school of thought. That's their opinion, right? That is not what forgiveness means. Again, forgiveness, yes, is intended for healing. Yes, for your healing, Mm -hmm. not somebody else's. That means you need to work out your own 
healing process. Yes. And what that means for, for you. Yes. There, there's and- so much more to healing rather than forgiving. I think letting go and forgiving are two, two separate things. And I, I do. Mm-hmm. There was something else though, too. There was another word that you used in that other episode. And I think that was really, you, I have to say, you guys really got me thinking about this because <laughs> I don't know and look at me, I like I'm thinking like that and I'm shifting around in my chair because I'm so I don't I really am reevaluating the word. I, I know. think it's <laughs> right. I, and which I think is great. I think it's not one word. I think it's two words to define two processes that together might combine to to forgiveness. So let's talk about that. What what have I always thought forgiveness was? And now I'm reconsidering that because of, of what I just heard from Janice. But <laughs> it has always meant to me the process that allows you to disengage. That's what it has meant to me. To forgive someone to me means I am no longer going to continue to have the relationship in my thoughts that I have been having with you. That means I'm no longer going to stay actively angry with you. It means I'm no longer going to stay actively feeling like your victim. I am no longer going to actively feel powerless. I am no longer going to actively feel unworthy. Well, and this is one reason why I'm able to sit here and talk about what happened with this a toxic workplace and everything that went down with that was very little emotion. I don't mm-hmm. know that I would actually say I forgive these people necessarily. I mean, it was right. a nightmare, but I've released it completely. Exactly. I did, I did feel a lot more charge come up when I spoke about my family earlier to the point mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, let's like get this out, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. I was feeling really worked up. And so I, I obviously haven't, which is why I'm in the grieving process and I'm letting myself go through that. Oh, right. this is so right. <laughs> I love yeah. this conversation. Yeah, I'm so glad that you shared that. And and so I just want to go back and reiterate, I just want to point out again for listening, listen to what I said and how I phrased it. It was all about me. I'm no longer going to feel victimized. I'm no longer going to feel angry. I I didn't say resentment, but I will now. I am no longer going to sit in a stew of resentment. I am no longer going to feel fearful to go out in the world and date again or work again or move to another country or have another client who I have to chase for payment or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? Because it does apply to all areas of our lives. But I want to really, that's the crux of it. And I want people to really hear that. Nothing that I said absolved the other person of what they did. Nothing that I said means that I condone what the other person did. Nothing that I said suggests that I am accepting fault or blame. None of that, that is that other idea of, I have to understand them. I have to allow them all of that. No, it's all about forgiveness is 
for me, for you, for everybody who's listening, for your healing. Because if you can heal yourself, that will elevate and expand out. That thought of healing can elevate out into the rest of humanity. But it is not for a particular person to absolve them of anything. Yeah, agreed. But a lot of people's definition of forgiveness really borders on that. And so that's why we did that episode. So let's talk briefly about something I was so stoked that you put in our outline. And that was not attaching expectations to people and circumstances. I'm not anymore, but I used to be a very actively practicing Buddhist. And so I'm very much you know, interested and very much believe in the concept of of non-attachment. And it's something that I really encourage people to bring into their dating lives. It's certainly something that I have learned too. So why don't you talk to us about how this, how non-attachment applies to a breakup and how non-attachment applies to maybe something else in life? Okay. So non-attachment applying to a, a relationship breakup For me, when I'm talking about not attaching uh, in this situation, I'm I'm talking about not attaching what has happened to me in the past to the present or to going forward, right? It's really an expectation. Mm -hmm. I am not expecting this situation to go exactly the way all the other ones have gone. And that took a lot of work on my part. Let's go back to what everything that I've said about the entire decade of my 20s, okay? That was in work, in relationships, in friendships, in everything. That, I mean, if I could go back and redo any part of my life, it would be that. that <laughs> I'm just know, laughing because, I mean, look, so many people can can relate to that. I ha- actually happened to be in a relationship for the entirety of my 20s. And so I can't completely, except I'll say a probably wish I wouldn't have gotten married in my twenties. Yeah, <laughs> Life starts in your thirties, just, you know, chill in your twenties and, and, and just but wait. Wait, <laughs> wait, you just said that. And it made me think maybe life starts in your thirties because you do go through your twenties yeah, exactly, the way you exactly. do. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. So then I have yes. to take it back because it was, <laughs> it was kind of like being in school for 10 years. So we've all heard the phrase, a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So I'll give you an example that's a good business example. In all the years I've been coaching, I have only ever had one client. And it was kind of early on, but maybe like maybe in my second year, um, she didn't pay me. So I had that experience with her. Now, I didn't quit coaching because of that, but I had to really get clean and get clear because I had a moment I was like oh do I have to like put in my contract that absolutely positively payment has to be made (laughs) blah 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 blah. do I have to get a lawyer to draw up terms (laughs) or whatever and that didn't feel good either because that's not me either right none of that option did not feel good so what I realized was no I have to take what I've learned about dating and dating breakups and apply that to my business, which means just because one client didn't pay does not mean 
that all clients are not going to pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even any other clients. Oh, this is so interesting. I um I am definitely someone who has v- just no expectations. I'm a very curious person. I'm a very not detached, but not attached person. I just am. It's something I learned through Buddhism. It's something I learned through my other spiritual practices. And last night I was meeting with a friend and we were talking about something really disappointing that's going on in my romantic life. And, you know, we had just juiciest girl talk and kind of near the end as we were wrapping up she goes um oh, you know and I really hope that you catch a break and I said what do you mean and she says she seriously sat there and just like listed all the people that I've dated since she's known me and just like different oh ways gosh. and and you know I, and I was kind of laughing I mean she was like up to her second hand you know and this and this and I'm like you know what I don't see it that way at all I said you know I went in you know wanting to have fun with these people and just because it didn't work out you know it doesn't make me at all think that I'm not catching a break or think that this is going to keep happening and I was like I'm cool like I'm gonna you know keep going I'm I and I think that this was one of your points is that just because one relationship doesn't work out doesn't mean all men are this way or that all the people on the apps are this way. And the and I don't see it that way at all. I mean, I just approach everything with uh, curiosity and openness and I'm, I'm not attached to any outcome. And so when this, this particular outcome takes place, I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm good. <laughs> I never, I never had any other expectation anyway. (laughs) Exactly. And, and so you just reminding me, I went out to dinner. When I go out to dinner by myself, I like to sit at the bar, not, I'm probably not even going to have a drink, but it's more social that way. If you're sitting alone, I can have dinner. I can talk to the bartender. I can talk to the people around me. So I stuck up my language, right? I love it. So, um, So I sat down at the bar and then another woman came in and sat down a little while later. And so we struck up a conversation and we, the conversation turned to dating and to dating apps. And she said, like, don't ever say this in front of me. It's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. She said, all men online are liars. They're married. They're just oh, trying man. to cheat. All men. And I, and I don't know where it came from. I love this. It was, I literally just, it was instinct. I went, wow, you met all the men online <laughs> in the entire world? This is why when it's so awesome to be a coach. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I wasn't even coaching then. I know, but the, just we just me. like react. We just like kind of operate right. in, a, in a different way. Yeah. So I love it. Oh wait, this and happened I'm, before you were a coach. I was happened before I was a coach. Oh, interesting. Was, right. And so I was like, I, I think maybe I was just starting. <laughs> so I was more keyed up to it, but I literally said, you met, you've met all the men on you've met every single man online on the entire planet and then i said where did you find the time don't you work mm-hmm. wow what and what did to, we say during the pandemic we finished netflix so she finished exactly. tinder she finished tinder it wasn't and, like it was but this was like yeah and so to her credit I will say she took it very well because <laughs> I said it like that. I didn't say it. Oh my God. You, you know, like, but, but she said, she stopped and she went, Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so here's my question though, because I've done it. 
probably in my 20s, in my 30s, all men are this, no man is that, no man will ever want me because of this. Yeah, that's a sentence y'all need to strike out of your <laughs> out of your repertoire. <laughs> Do not decide that the thing that you think is a problem is a problem to approximately 4 billion people on the planet. Yeah. Because you don't know that thing that you're trying to hide somebody's going to really love that about you. And if you keep trying to hide it, that person isn't going to find you. So that's just a little bonus I want to throw in. But, <laughs> okay, thank but you, going back to, um, to, to, you know, kind of wrap this back up is to say, how come... When we have a good experience and something goes really beautifully and we have fun on a date, but he's just not for us. Or we find someone who treats us really, really kindly, but for whatever reason, we're just not going to go forward. How come that's not the story that we tell? How come we don't go out in the world and say, every man online is so kind? Every woman online is really adorable and they make me laugh. How come we don't ever generalize about the good qualities in people? And I want to challenge everybody who's listening to this to start to do that because mm -hmm. that is what's going to change your experience of dating. I mean, one of my favorite mottos about life is that the universe is always conspiring in your favor and especially yes. if you allow yourself to see it thank you and again we could do it i mean maybe an, an episode on expectations could be could be good for the two of us so we've got a few minutes left and i thought it would be really fun to talk about different areas of life that you can apply your breakup lessons more more specifically so that would mm -hmm. be friendships business and family so let's mm -hmm. start with friendships i for me i'm just going to say that i have i approach dating with curiosity i approach my breakups with open communication and you know and non-attachment and i will say when i'm going out and meeting people that's definitely how i feel i'm i really am if i'm very attracted to someone as a friend, I'll start inviting them along. But I always have kind of a wait and see attitude about whether or not this is going to become like a part of my inner circle. And it's not that, you know, I go around dropping people off and this and that. It's just I don't get too attached. And I end up meeting really cool people. And definitely when things don't work out with friends, which they <laughs> definitely have, I yeah. I feel that I'm more easily able to to walk away when things aren't feeling right. And that's exactly what I do with breakups. What about you? Exactly. Well, what I was going to say about friendships is that I apply the same um, boundary. I don't want to call it a rule, but I guess it is a rule um, to friendships as to romantic relationships. I don't chase. I would never chase a man to date me because yeah. that didn't work in my twenties or my thirties. Right. Mm -hmm. So why would I chase 
a woman or a man to be my friend. Hmm. So if I meet someone and we there's a spark there of uh, or you know we find something in common i i have gone to a, a very close friend of mine has had barbecues over the last um the last summer season and invited a neighbor of hers and her neighbor and i just kind of looked at each other and we're like oh i want to talk to you some more oh, and so yay. we're developing right and so we're de- i I've, I've met friends i've made friends with people who I've met online in Zoom classes. I made a lot of friends over the course of the pandemic and have found that some of those people were actually close enough geographically that we've actually met in person. But I have a friend in Norway, in (laughs) Norway. We met in a Zoom class and we have continued to meet. We meet every couple of weeks on Zoom, right? I think you know why I'm smiling. And that is that- I am so and I had the same same experience with Jesse as you're describing at this barbecue and we were in coaching school together and you know we would once once in a while share it was a huge class and you know one day she came on screen and shared something about what she wanted to do with her business and I was so like <laughs> I felt just like so turned on and I just thought I want to be her friend and and but you know I didn't chase her but I had the same spark and I'm going to New Zealand next week to see her and yeah you don't know what's going to so happen excited. especially when you just go into it like I'm just feeling like this intuitive hit and just kind of like putting it out there and you know we just started chatting and it, you know it, it turned into something but I, I never yeah. thought that I just was like oh I need to listen to this. And that's such a perfect example of, you know, there were a lot of people, there were millions of people in the world who said, oh, I can't date now, pandemic, I'm at home, I'm not doing this (laughs) online thing, you can't meet people in person. And there were just as many people during the pandemic saying, well, great, let's go online, let's do an app, let's, I took so many walks around the park, you know, there are things you can do outside and do safely and that we did during during pandemic dating, right? But what we're both saying is that this we both sparked friendships by Zoom. Yep. We both, I, I sparked a couple of business peer relationships by Zoom, by being in workshops with people. So how can you then tell me that you can't meet people online? Same thing, right? Yep. Technology can be our friend. And again, how you do dating is how you do friendships. You know, you can online date, you can online meet friends. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. And even, I just want to just really um, close that by saying it's whether it's online or meeting someone in person, the thing about saying not chasing is I want to see their response to me as well. And I might be the first one to call and say, let's do something. And someone might be busy, right? But if they don't respond, then, or if I I might call twice, and then if it's not coming, you know, it's okay if someone is not available the very first time that you're trying to get together. And I say the same thing about dating. It's like, don't be attached. Don't decide what this behavior means right up front. 
I'm thinking of all these positive examples of the t- of times where I felt intuitive hit and then it turned into a friendship or a relationship. Right. But I actually now I'm making myself think about it because it's not the most pleasant thing to think about. But I have also <laughs> done it and not had an, it, people respond. And be, but because I'm not attached to outcomes, it, it's not staying with me. I'm actually having to really make myself think about times that I approached someone who wasn't open to it. And, you know, and I just want to tell everyone out there, it, it's happened to me. So yeah, it does. It, it goes both ways. It happens to you. It's okay. If someone doesn't want to be your friend, it's okay. If someone doesn't want to date you, I call it self-selecting out. Yeah. There's projection self-selecting is protection. Out, right. And they're saving me a lot of time. <laughs> totally. So, good on that business. I was going to say, do you want to go to, um, how, how do we apply this in business? So, um, I have been in a lot of coaching programs as a, as a student and seen a lot of people who just didn't do the work. They didn't do the work. And oh, wow. I didn't think this people, was the direction you were going to go in. Yeah. And people um, might say, well, that's up to them. It's their money. If they don't want to do the work, that's on them. And I'm like, yes. And if you're in a group situation, that creates an energy in the group that is not necessarily what you want, right? It is not necessarily um, an energy with it that everybody can work with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't, right? So without going into too much detail about that, all I'll say is now from the business perspective, I want to have clients who are engaged who are excited, who are ready, who are respectful of their time and mine, who will do the work. And that includes paying in full on time, whatever that arrangement is. And I bring those standards to my work and I attract clients who bring those standards to my practice. And so But again, just like with dating, do you want to be in a relationship with someone who's not engaging with you, who's just kind of there, who said, well, I told you six months ago that I love you. Why do I have to say it again? That's kind of... (laughs) Right. That's kind of like, you know, when when someone says, "Okay, I'm signing up and I'm I'm ready and I'm willing and I want to do all this work. But okay, here we are months later and you haven't done anything. It's kind of like that. So that's what I was going to say about, you know, just a different take on applying this to business. Yeah. And I think one thing that I will say is that I always put myself first in relationships and I always put myself first when it comes to healing from a breakup. And I always put myself first in my professional relationships. I did not always, but it is a definite recipe for success. It's a recipe for joy. And I always prioritize my joy inside of a romantic relationship. And I I prioritize myself my joy with professional relationships as well. I'm a freelance writer and And I love the people who I write for and the companies. And I'm very passionate about what they are doing. I love my coaching clients and get excited 
about about seeing them and that's because i'm constantly making sure that my needs and my desires are are front and center in pretty much every relationship and interaction that i just generally have in life <laughs> and i love that you said that and i i want to just say something about that because i think you're making a really really important point and i want all of you listening to hear that Janice saying that she puts herself first in her relationships is not saying that she is selfish in relationships. Mm -hmm. Okay. She's saying that she prioritize, prioritizes having her needs met. And we can talk about how we each do that for ourselves at another time too, right? But it's about not always putting the other person first. Yep. That's what we're talking about. Putting yourself first from your perspective and your base of power and self-control in the relationship is not the same as being selfish. Well, this is the perfect segue into the last one. And that is family because I mean, everybody can sit and think about a time that they have felt that they had to do something because it was family or that they felt obligated to do something because it's your mom or you did, you went to a family event that you did not want to go to, or you engaged with a family member that you did not want to because you're putting them first and you're feeling obligated for, I don't even know all the reasons. And I, I think that this is the is this is a great place to apply what you learn from a breakup. And that is with your family members. I went through something really confronting a couple of years ago. And that is after I left my abusive relationship, I went to Codependence Anonymous for a couple of years, just trying to understand you know, how someone would allow themselves to be so mistreated and, you know, go back to it. And I realized, you know, I had these codependent tendencies with him mostly, but, and uh, I, I learned a lot about the concept of, of codependence. And then when I came back to the States, at one point I was, I found myself just really in a very unhealthy, unhappy situation and unhappy relationships with my family members and having this constant feeling of not being appreciated and working really hard and trying really hard and not getting anything in, in return. That's pure codependence. And it was really eye-opening for me to realize how I had been a, really taking the same behaviors that I had had in that horrible relationship and applying them to the behaviors or the interact the interactions that I had with my family members. And that was, you know, just being desperately clinging for a certain outcome and and constantly feeling feeling let down by it. And it helped yeah. me a, it helped me a lot. And I was really able to kind of shake off some of the misery that I had in these relationships once I realized that I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What an amazing experience that you had and, it was. and a, a teaching opportunity for you. And, and that's what's so that that's what makes you so powerful right now, I think. And so insightful is that you have taken your experiences throughout your life and you have studied yourself and you've studied your part in it and you've allowed yourself to see your part in it. And a lot of us won't do that. And I'm saying us because I went through a long time. It's scary. It's scary to really 
self-examine and it's scary to admit that, oh, I did something that I wish I hadn't done. But the, the issue is that if you don't ever allow yourself to do that and you just keep operating from default, you're just going to keep repeating the same patterns. And again, the pattern is not no man in the world wants a commitment. The pattern is why do I continue to choose to date men when I already know they don't want a commitment? And, and what I've learned is that if we don't, self-examine and we don't we're not willing to be honest with ourselves and then take that information and evolve ourselves as we go through the world then we're not maturing and we're not getting wiser we're just getting older and this uh, directly applies to our relationships with our families because so many of us do stay really stuck in a very childlike state yeah. with our, I think, especially immediate family because we tell ourselves this story of obligation and have tos rather than, you know, taking our personal power back and learning how to engage yeah. differently, even when it's our parents and siblings. Yeah. And you can do it. And yes, thank you so much, Lena. And I just want to send everyone strength out there who's going through a breakup. And, you know, I hope that listening to this episode maybe made you a little excited about examining how you can heal from your breakup and then take what you learn and apply it to the rest of your life. You know, this is a great opportunity for so much growth, for a new way of of operating in the world. So that's that's my challenge to you this week. What about you, Lena? <laughs> well, I think I've offered up a few challenges already during this episode. <laughs> yes. But what I want to say is, again, thank you so much. I, I really love having the opportunity to talk through these ideas with you. And I love your community. They are so engaged and they're so bright and they're so willing to, to listen and to learn and it always comes back to one thing for me. I feel like that we're all here to help elevate humanity. And when we can start with ourselves and really do that work, it spreads, it spreads out into the world and it's a thrill to be a part of it. So thank you again. You are so welcome. Thank you for being here and thank you for your time and your wisdom. Thank you to all the listeners for being here. And I will talk to your ears next week. Thank you for listening to X-Files podcast. I sincerely hope that you found today's episode inspirational or useful. I would love to support you on your healing journey. All you have to do is send me a message through the X-Files Instagram account, and I will personally be in touch to get you started. Remember, if you are struggling with a broken heart, your feelings are temporary. I am sending you so much love and luck for the week ahead. You've got this.